This is the Holland Assets Podcast, where we show you how to start and run your own trucking company. Ever wanted to go out on your own? Follow Chris as he goes through the highs and lows of running on his own authority. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Holland Assets Podcast. This is episode number 44, and it's called Be a Water Bear. I don't know what that means exactly, uh, because... I'm not smart, I guess, uh, but we'll we'll get there. I, we're going to find out what a water bear is. I am Craig. Chris, joining me remotely. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. Uh, we're social distancing. That's right. We were, we're actually in the same county, uh, which is increasingly rare these days, but uh, we're still recording remotely because we're trying to be responsible citizens of, you know, whatever, the world. Hey. Craig just doesn't want me spitting on his microphones anymore. That's true. I mean, even on the in the best of times, I don't want you spitting on my <laughs> microphones. That's that is accurate. <laughs> uh, okay, so Chris, before we go on with the water bear stuff, um, I do want to remind people: go to HollandAssetsLLC.com for full show notes and to leave comments and to get replies from Chris. Uh, and also, similarly, you can go find us on Facebook. Just just search Holland Assets, uh, H-A-U-L-I-N, Holland Assets, and find us there. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Any you know any questions, comments, anything you want us to address on the show, we're happy to, uh, to take your comments in those places. All right, Chris, what's a water bear? I'm glad you asked, Craig. <laughs> a, a water bear is, the scientific name for it is um, tardigrades, and they are really interesting creatures. They're considered to be the most adaptable an animal on the planet by many people. They're, they can live in the depths of the ocean. They can live in temperatures that are close to absolute zero. I, I read one thing that said they can actually live in space. Then they can also live in temperatures as high as 300 degrees Fahrenheit, um, supposedly in volcanoes. They can live without food and water, and they can withstand a thousand times more radiation than most animals. So the whole reason is, you know, behind this podcast episode, be a water bear is because in these economic times with everything that's going on right now with the coronavirus and, and even other times when the economy is hit by something else, you know, this always happens every several years, there's a downturn in the economy. We as small business owners, as owner operators need to be able to adapt just like the water bear. And those who are able to adapt and adapt the best are going to survive and in the long run are going to thrive. All right. So adaptability is, I mean, obviously going to be a key. It kind of goes into, and maybe we'll get into this later in the episode, it kind of reminds me of what you've talked about as far as uh, being prepared and having savings and all of that stuff, uh, that the preparation is going to lend to the ability to adapt in the ways that are needed in a time like this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It, it you know, it's that ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And that, that, that certainly holds true when the economy takes a dump. <laughs> You know, I, <laughs> is that is that inappropriate? Should I not have said that? I, I well, I think my brain, as it was processing what you were saying, I was expecting you to say dive, 
as the economy takes a dive. And so I think it was just the unexpected nature of that that, uh, that kind of got me a little bit. I, I guess you got me on a day when I'm going to be a little uncouth. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, frankly. Uh, Chris, I do want to note something before we get into how to be adaptable and how to, how to get yourself to that point. Um, it, this is coming up on or it's around the one year anniversary since you started hauling assets is that right yeah actually tomorrow so this this episode will launch tomorrow will be the one year anniversary that uh hauling assets went live wow yeah, it's kind of exciting it's is crazy that, it's been that, a year it's gone by fast that was episode one what was that? Was it episode one of the show, or do you mean that the uh, company hit no, the road? No, the company. That's when Holland Assets took it, you know, authority got activated. And I think we hauled the first load right around that first day. It was within a couple of days. So, um, yeah, it's a, a, one whole year. Man. Time has flown. Yeah, no kidding. So uh, how how are you feeling about things these days? One year in, um, do you feel enlightened about what happens out there on the road? Yeah, for sure. It's been, you know, it's been a good, uh, it's been a good year. I've learned a ton. It's been an eye-opening experience. Um, I've enjoyed it. You know, I've been in the trucking industry for 15 years, you know, and and until the last year, I'd never driven a truck before. And um, you think you know what it's like life on the road because you hear so much about it and, you know, you you to an extent kind of live it vicariously through other people. But you really don't until you actually have done it and lived it and experienced it that you just, you don't fully understand it. And I think, you know, in, in that sense, it's, it's truly been an eye opening experience for me. Yeah. Then that makes sense. It reminds me a little bit of, uh, did you ever watch that old show undercover boss? Yes. <laughs> you got to go walk a mile in the, uh, the, uh, you know, factory floor or something like that, yeah. those shoes. Um, well, that's good. I, I'm glad that it's been educational and eye-opening and helpful and all that stuff. Um, so, uh, anything else you want to let me know about uh, from the road or elsewhere? Yeah, I, I had a, a really interesting experience. You know, this last week or so related to the whole coronavirus epidemic that's going on right now. I uh, I took a load up into Washington, and Washington's one of the places that that got hit fairly hard early on yep. i don't think they've gotten hit as hard as eventually you know as this has progressed as as much as some of the other places like new york but they still got hit pretty hard so they they kind of cranked down on um, the social distancing thing and um closing out businesses and, and doing some things and, and as we all know the trucking industry has kind of remained exempt to that to a certain extent we felt some effects from it but um, we've been able to operate as long as there's been freight to haul. Well, I w- had this load up into Washington and my reefer started giving me a problem with the fuel sensor, just kind of a, a minor problem. And I actually, it wasn't the fuel sensor, it was something else. So I, I decided to stop at the, uh, Thermal King in Yakima, Wisconsin. And Yakima, Wisconsin ahead- or Washington? Or excuse me, you, <laughs> yeah, Yakima, Washington, not Yakima, Wisconsin. Probably <laughs> I didn't think there Yakima, was a Yakima, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I just wanted to No, check. but the, Wisconsin has a lot of uh, nice Native American names as well. Sheboygan. Oh, sure. Um, you know, but yeah, so th- that's how Wisconsin and Washington are related and they're cool uh, 
Native American names. <laughs> anyway, so Yakima, Washington, I call ahead and they said, okay, we, we don't have anybody in right now. So you'll be able to come right in. Well, I, I pull up and, you know, they immediately open up the bay. A guy comes out to me um, and he has me pull the truck in with the trailer, drop the trailer, disconnect and, and go out. So anyway, they won't let you out of the truck. They won't let you... Um, you know, really they're taking that whole six foot distance very seriously. He wouldn't let me get close to any of the employees. Anyway, to make a long story short, he finishes up, has me back the trailer in, pull out. And, um, again, they won't talk. They won't really come close to me. They won't let me do anything. And he's all like, okay, call the front office. And, and instead of going in and paying like you normally would, you, ha they, you have to call the office, pay over the phone and they give you like two choices for your receipt. You can either get it emailed to you or they'll print off a copy, come outside, lay it on a table, go back inside, and then you can come and pick up the receipt off of the table. Oh man. So it kind of reminded me of biblical times. I kind of felt like I was a leper. I was being shunned. <laughs> they wouldn't let me close to them. They didn't want to have anything to do with me. And you know, pretty soon I'm going to be ringing a bell, walking around draped in clothes and you can't see me. No oh, man. Well, it's uh, it should be familiar since I've been treating you like a leper for a year. <laughs> well, so. yeah, you know, I, I I do get that quite a bit. I always thought it was just me, but I guess maybe I've always had the coronavirus. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of which, uh, that's it. Sounds like that is what you want to talk about a little bit. You know, these weird moments in history. These, uh, you know, what are we calling this? A, a unicorn <laughs> event. Um, that happens once in a generation, and and uh, this is the sort of thing that requires adaptability, right? This water bear concept that you're talking about. So, do you want to start talking about that in earnest, and and uh, what you mean by it? Yeah, absolutely. Let me let me kind of lay out really quick the how I, I I kind of envision this episode going, so we can kind of give everybody a little bit of a heads up. First and foremost, just want to talk a little bit about the situation and kind of what we're going through. And and you 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 touched on it there. This is, you know, kind of a unicorn event, a once in a lifetime type thing or once in a generation doesn't happen very often. But with that being said, the economy goes up and down. The causes are are typically different, but that happens. And the things that we're going to talk about today are going to be principles that you can use anytime the economy goes down. You know, the coronavirus has caused the economy. It's it's almost like driving off of a cliff. You know, everything was going along really, really well. And then it just fell off the face of the earth. You know, it just completely changed almost overnight. And so that's that piece of it's really pretty unique. But with that being said, I think because it it stops so fast, as soon as the, the coronavirus thing ends or, or everybody starts to feel comfortable that we can kind of get back to life like normal, it should theoretically, you know, especially with all the stimulus stuff going on, you know, we should just jump right up over the cliff like Superman and, and hopefully for the most part be able to get back to life as normal. It, it'll probably be a little bit more of a gradual ascent than it has been a descent, but needless to say, I, I think it'll change. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that. So that's we'll talk about that first, then we'll um, step into, you know, why are owner operators adaptable? And, you know, I think in a lot of ways, they're more adaptable than the larger fleets. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then we'll talk about some keys to success. And then at the end, after we roll the credits and, and 
do our normal ending on the episode. I want to kind of, kind of like a bloopers at the end. We're going to just talk a, a little bit about some of the resources that are out there with the stimulus package that are specific to trucking companies and owner operators on the, um, hollandassetsllc.com website and the show notes. We're going to provide some links and a little bit of information on how about those loans, where to find the information on them. Um, where you can apply for them and, and that kind of stuff. We'll talk a little bit about that at the end. So if you're listening to this podcast years down the road after the credits roll and we get into that, you can you know, shut it off, tune it out. Yeah, we already got your download stats, so we don't care anymore. You can shut it off. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Love uh, it. Okay, good. So um, let's talk then a little bit. You said you wanted to talk about what the situation is right now. As you said, this is more than just an economic downturn. This is, uh, you know, a cliff dive, as you said. So, what else do you want to talk about with that? Yeah, it, it's just the fact that it's it's really truly unprecedented. So, it, it's different than typical downturns in the economy because there are parts of the economy that are like completely shut down. You look at the entertainment industry, you know, movie theaters. You can't go to a movie theater. You can't go to any kind of sporting events. You know, really anything that has any kind of group gathering, all that's closed down. The conventions and, you know, Las Vegas, I drove through Las Vegas last week. And I mean, it's, you know, the strip's a ghost town. My sister lives there and she said they have cops kind of on the corners, you know, just making sure nobody goes in there. All that stuff is completely stopped. Hmm. That's amazing. And that's just, that's weird. It's unprecedented. And there are other parts of the economy that are just kind of down. You, you take, for example, restaurants, you know, there's no dine-in restaurant options. You know, as, as, as truck drivers, we experience that every day. You go into a truck stop and there's no, you, you can't get a hot meal. You know, if you're lucky, you know, they've got takeout that you can get into. And some places just have the drive throughs open, won't even let a, a, a driver get it because you don't have a car. You, you obviously can't ride, drive your rig through it. Um, so their restaurants aren't completely dead because you can still get that, that takeout option, but I'm sure that's affecting their business quite a bit, you know, construction projects for the most part, you know, even California where they've really locked stuff down, construction's considered one of those essential items. So projects that are ongoing or that were going or continuing to go, I'm sure some of the future product projects might be affected. Um, so, you know, then other parts of the economy are actually up healthcare companies, you know, companies that make toilet paper, you know, they're doing pretty well right now, apparently, because that's what everybody wants to buy. And, you know, that's not, you know, it's kind of funny. People in Utah think that's a unique to Utah thing. Well, I've been to a, a few different Walmarts across the country as part of this, and there's no toilet paper anywhere for oh, no, at least it's amazing. a while. It, where, it's crazy. Where was everybody's stockpile before? <laughs> why did you wait till now anyway sorry I, yeah i don't know yeah it's kind of funny so so those toilet paper companies the hand sanitizer companies healthcare. there's there's a lot of you know businesses that you know i know i've got some some buddies that uh that do stuff in the healthcare and medical devices and equipment those guys are rocking right now and it's it's kind of crazy grocery stores you know for a while we're we're hopping and popping that seems to kind of at this point leveled off a little bit but you know, that's just one of the things that makes this this bump in the economy so unique is you've got those businesses that are completely on hold. You've got other parts that are affected, but not completely out of business. And then you've got some that have kind of skyrocketed and gone through the roof. So it's it, it's really, really crazy. So what what does that mean for the trucking industry then? How do you feel like it's going there? 
you know, it, it, it's, it's weird because there's segments of the trucking industry, again, that have been affected more than others. You take auto haulers right now. Auto haulers are really struggling for a, a several different reasons. One, there's not as many people buying vehicles right now. But two, an, an auto hauler, you know, their truck is, is set up to haul cars. And it's not like you can just unhook from your auto hauler trailer and go hook onto another truck. You know, they're, they're, they're unique in that way or another trailer. So, you know, those guys are, seem to be hit pretty hard. Flatbed guys seem to be hit pretty hard, but for the, for the most part, for the beginning piece of this reefers and, and, you know, especially reefers, but even dry vans weren't affected quite as bad, but I I think that's maybe changing a little bit. You know, I I think we're going to start to see uh, a little bit of tightening, even in the, the, the reefer segment. Um, You know, it's kind of like, a slinky effect, you know, the, the, the people rushed on the grocery stores, bought up as much as stuff as they can. Now everybody's got it all in their house. They're probably going to be able to live on it for a little while. And the, the grocery stores, you know, nobody's going to have to go to the grocery store for a little while. I'll bet you to a certain extent, that slinky effect of that kind of stuff is just going to continue to happen for a little while. And so, it's just going to, it's going to be different. It's going to be weird. You know, freight's probably going to go, you know, there are going to be times when there's going to be a lot of it. And then there's going to be times when there's not a lot of it. And it's probably just going to, you know, go up and down like that for, for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, what do you see as the biggest issues then right now for somebody trying to, uh, keep things afloat at the moment? Great question. I think there's going to be kind of two main big issues. One, because of that slinky effect, you know, when when there's not a whole lot of freight out there, you're going to have two problems. You're going to, you know, especially if you're getting all your loads through a broker, you're um, going to get lower rates and you're going to have to manage costs better because you're not going to get paid as much for what you do. And then, you know, finding freight can be a little bit of a problem. You you may have a harder time finding freight. So we're going to talk a little bit about that um, when we get to some of those keys to surviving this. We'll we'll talk about how you can overcome some of that. Yeah, yeah. So is it uh, is it all bad news then? Is there any reason that we would have to feel optimistic? I I actually think there's quite a few um, reasons to be optimistic. One. Um, with this economic downturn, because it's something that is so unique, is the U.S. government has done this huge stimulus package, $2.2 trillion, and it's designed to help keep people paid, to help pay for people's expenses. Um, I've actually, you know, I've looked quite a bit into the different loan and grant programs that are out there, and again, we'll talk about them in a little bit more detail at the end, but those things should all you know, in the next several weeks, we're going to start seeing some of the muddy money from those packages start to flood the economy and hopefully help things out. And, and you know, most people, even those people that are out of work that are going to be able to get some of those checks whose employers may not be able to keep them full time, they'll be able to keep them more because of the, the um, stimulus packages that are designed to help keep people paid so they'll they'll still be able to earn some of that money so especially when things open back up you know people have money to spend um you know hopefully yeah hopefully that works out 
Yeah. And then also, you know, the 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 US economy and the industries within the economy in general are are a little bit more understanding because this is an economic downturn that's one of those things that nobody could control. It it just kind of hit us all and so you know, from what I've seen so far, banks are are being more understanding and lenient with par- with payments. Um, the landlords are are kind of being the same way, and so, you know, I, I think we're all, you know, the the U.S. is kind of for the most part, we're all kind of circling the wagons, helping each other out, and all fighting this together. And and with that being said, I think that's going to help us recover more quickly, and and hopefully make the sting not quite as bad, especially once the whole virus thing is kicked in the butt. Yeah, well, let's hope so, right? Yeah. You know, another thing that's that's kind of really good news that it's not 100% caused by the coronavirus. It's kind of the ball was already rolling a little bit before this whole thing happened, but it's accelerated it even faster is fuel prices. Oh, fuel yeah. is actually lower now than I think it has been. I, I haven't really gone back to see how long it's been since fuel prices are where they're at, but um, it's it's crazy. They've gone down a ton. I, I actually did a little bit of uh, calculating. Imagine that. I used some spreadsheets <laughs> and tried to figure some things out. But if you look at my fuel expense from May through May of 2019 through January of 2020, on average, I was spending about 50 cents per mile in fuel. Okay. Then February and March, I've only spent 35 cents per mile in fuel. So that's that's a 15 cent a mile difference, which is is huge. That is a 30 percent decrease, Chris. See, look at my math skills. A 30 percent decrease on. Um, either your biggest or your second biggest expense. That's yeah, is, that is, is, amazing. is a big deal. Yeah. No, no joke. Uh, well, I mean, you know, it, it's a tough time and we look for the silver linings, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and we'll, I'll put a little bit of plug for next week's episode. I'm, I'm pretty sure next week's episode, we're going to cover the financials for March, but you're going to see that effect in my March numbers. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Um, okay, so Chris, I want to revisit something you said a little bit earlier. We we want to talk about adaptability in uh, in business practices, and you said that owner operators um, might be by nature and certainly can be more adaptable, more nimble than the bigger fleets. And I was hoping you could expound on that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I- we're going to talk a lot about that. And one of the reasons is if you take a look at that water bear, you know, one of the reasons the water bear is as adaptable as it is, is because it's small and it's simple. And that's the same exact thing with a small trucking company or an owner operator is you're a small company, you're simple. Um, you don't have the levels of bureaucracy so you can make decisions faster and you have significantly lower overhead than those big trucking companies. And those two things right there are going to be your keys to success as an owner operator through this difficult time is you can change faster, you can make those tweaks quicker, and you've got lower overhead that's not going to drag you down. Okay. So uh, the the two things being you can make decisions faster and you don't have overhead. Now, when you talk about overhead, I'm picturing uh, the additional costs that come along with expanding a business as far as uh, you know, office space or uh, it, more employees to pay, whatever the, the case is, right? 
Yeah, exactly. And, and you, so you take, for example, most owner operators and even most small fleets that have five or fewer trucks, for the most part, they're working from home. Their home is their home office. And so they don't, they're not paying, you know, thousands of dollars a month in, in rent to rent office space. So that's a huge savings right there. Another one that's big is you, you'd be shocked if you knew how much, you know, especially the bigger fleets spend every month to hire new drivers. And as an owner operator, you don't have to deal with that at all. As a small fleet owner, you might have to deal with that a, a little bit, but as an owner operator, you, you have no cost in hiring people. And, and that's a big savings right there. You know, and you, like you said before, the office staff, you know, you're as an owner operator, especially you don't have office staff, you know, even I, you know, I've seen small fleets of five and fewer trucks operate really well with just the owner and no other staff outside of that. Um, so, you know, th those kind of things save, save you quite a bit of money. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it does. Another one that a lot of people kind of discount and don't think about is I, you know, I've, I've done a little bit of research as I was kind of, you know, preparing for this podcast, but the indus industry average for fleets on their truck usage is on average, most trucks get 91,506 miles a year put on them. Well, as an owner operator, like if you're only doing, if you're doing less than a hundred thousand miles a year, you're probably not doing something right. I mean, you take me, for example, I'm already up to, I think about the 11 month mark. I was at about 110,000 miles, which you also have to consider, you know, that, that includes two weeks of annual training twice. So actually four total weeks of annual training for me with my national guard duty over that 11 month period, plus the three weeks that my truck was in the shop. So, I mean, you, that's well more than a month. You know, I should have had over 120,000 miles in 11 months if I hadn't had to go through those things. So that extra, you know, 20 or 30,000 miles a year, does a ton to improve your cost per mile and all your fixed expenses. So that's another one of the things owner operators are much more efficient with their vehicles than um, large fleets are. Hmm. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have thought of that. I guess it's, oh, I, I don't want to speculate about why that would be. Well, I'll just take it for granted that you're right. <laughs> okay, Chris, so as we are trying to uh, maintain our, our adaptability and, and whatnot, what are what are the things that people need to do? What are the, the things they need to consider? So if you remember right, we, we kind of uh, earlier on in the podcast, I talked about, you know, kind of the two main big issues, um, expenses or, or and uh, finding freight. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, managing those expenses. Or lower rates and finding freight. So the two, those two big issues, the keys to being successful here are going to be overcoming those two big issues. So managing your expenses will help you overcome the issues of lower rates. And then, um, we'll talk a little bit about finding, you know, finding freight and being able to adapt to that too. So first and foremost, um, we've talked a lot about managing expenses in the, in the past. And when you come into a, you know, you run into an economic speed bump, like we've got right here, that becomes even more critical as you've, you've got to be able to adapt quickly and, and make sure you're really on top of those expenses. So you're not spending any more money than what you absolutely have to. So, um, we, we've talked about 
you know, kind of managing your expenses and understanding your cost per mile in a couple of the previous episodes. And this is where it becomes especially important to understand those numbers and those figures. So, you know, really being able to understand what your variable cost per mile is, what your fixed cost per mile is, and then using that knowledge to make good decisions on what loads you want to take. So if you, if you've forgotten some of that stuff, or even if you just want to brush up on it a little bit, go back and listen to episodes 20, which is the cost per mile episode, and episode 36. It's the one where I've, I think I, if I titled it uh, to take a load or not. And those dive a little bit deeper into that fixed and variable cost so that you can understand it and, and make those good uh, business decisions. Available at hollandassetsllc.com. Right. There you go. All right. <laughs> plug, plug, in, plug in my own podcast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so let's talk about managing expenses then. It, do you, I, as you said, there are whole episodes on this and so people can dive deep in those, but do you want to talk uh, a little bit about managing expenses? Yeah, absolutely. The, the first one that I want to talk about, your biggest expense your two biggest expenses are your driver and your fuel. So if you're an owner operator that has drivers and you pay your drivers, um, you're probably not going to be able to change the expense too much. You don't, you don't want to, if you don't have to. So avoid doing anything like that. If you lay a driver off, that means a truck's sitting, it's not making revenue. That's kind of the last thing you want to do, but there are options for those guys with some of the stimulus package stuff. So at the end, we'll talk a little bit more about that. That's how you're really going to manage that driver expense is more through those stimulus package items that you've got. So let's dive into fuel first. So the good news right now with fuel is fuel is less expensive than it has been in a really long time, which is good. Um, but there's some things that you can do to even further maximize that and lower your fuel costs. And one of the biggest things we can do right now, as as most people know, the because of the coronavirus, the hours of service regulations have been loosened up. If you're hauling any kind of good or product that has to do with, um, you know, restocking medical supplies, food. There's a whole big long list of them. You can search it out for on the FMCSA. You can find it. It's easy to find what those exemptions are. But if you have one of those exemptions, that gives you the ability to drive more than you would on a typical run. So, and I've done this. And, and one of the benefits with that is, is you can drive a little bit slower and every five miles an hour that you slow your vehicle down, especially when you're hauling a really heavy load makes a big difference on your miles per gallon. So because you can drive a little bit longer, I would recommend driving a little bit slower and save a little bit on that, uh, that fuel in, improve your miles per gallon. That, yeah. That'll help quite a bit. Makes a lot of sense to me. Another thing is, I can't believe how many people do this, idle their trucks. Just don't idle your truck. Um, you're, you're looking at least a dollar an hour when you idle your truck. Probably in most situations, quite a bit more than that. So just, just don't do it. I mean, if you just idle even two hours a day, you're talking at least 50 bucks a month, wasted fuel. You know, it's like burning money. Just don't do it. No, all right. Well, you know, when you say a dollar an hour, it doesn't sound too bad. But I guess when you extrapolate out to the 50 bucks a month, it's like, yeah, yeah, okay. I, I'd rather have that 50 bucks. 
Well, and, and that's that $50 a month is like at the minimum. Then you've got some of these guys that idle it all night long while they're sleeping. So if you idle it just while you're on your 10 hour break, I mean, that's $10 a day. That's, you know, three hundred $300 a month. Yeah. You know, you're talking thousands of dollars a year. That's just, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Anything else? Um, the, the last thing that I kind of want to talk about is, is just to reiterate what we talked about in episode 29, where we talked about fuel purchasing, you know, just being really diligent about your fuel planning, where you purchase your fuel so that you're, you're spending the least amount on fuel as possible. Okay. Um, now you mentioned, uh, loans as well, you, or you talked about how banks are being a little bit more relaxed. I wanted to bring it back to that. Um, is there, is that the case for businesses as well? Cause I know that is a thing for say mortgages, uh, you know, mortgage payments and that sort of thing. Can business owners with, um, equipment loans or other type of loans get any relief there as well? Yeah. And this is going to be based, you know, lender, each lender is going to be a little bit different how they handle these situations, but most lenders are being pretty good about it. Like if you want to say, Hey, I need to defer my loan payment for a month or two. You know, oftentimes what they'll do is they, they, they're not forgiving that loan payment. They're not just saying, Hey, you can skip it. They basically just tack it on to the end of the loan. So you're going to, you know, if you, if you don't pay this month, that means you're going to pay one extra month at the end of it so that, you know, in this time when you've got a bit of a cash crunch, you've got a way to get around it. You can lower that expense a little bit, or at least that outflow of cash can be reduced, kind of alleviate some of that pressure. The last thing a bank wants to do is repossess your vehicle. So especially in this kind of situation where it's really no fault of your own, you've kind of run into economic hard times like everybody has, you know, oftentimes the banks are going to work with you. It's just a matter of asking them, you know, giving them a, a reason why, what your plan is. And as long as they feel comfortable that, you know, this is a temporary thing for you, they're probably going to give you very little grief about it and uh, help you out. Yeah, well, that'd be nice, I suppose, if uh, if it works out that way. Yeah, absolutely. Another, another thing that uh, I think is a, a really good way that you can save a little bit of money is on repairs and maintenance. And, and these are kind of common sense things for the most part, things that you should be doing all the time. Um, you know, Costs with repairs and maintenance are, are hard to control if you're not doing like your pre-trip inspection and you're, you're not paying attention to what's going on with your truck. Because a lot of the time, some of the, the breakdowns and the things that happen are things that you can see and you can be aware of. And if you just wait too long for that to happen, it breaks down on the road, it's probably going to cost you twice as much as it would if you would have taken care of it earlier at home. So it, it's a good time to just you know, stay on top of those repairs, even though it hurts to, to make that repair. Now you're going to spend less when you're at home with your home shop that you're comfortable with. And you know, um, than it is if you're out on the road, especially if it, you have to do a roadside, you know, or something like that, those get expensive really fast. No, I'm sure. Well, I, I'm hearing shades of your uh, story with the best hooker in Ogallala, right? <laughs> yeah, don't 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 get towed. That's even worse. Yeah, that's <laughs> bad. So you you, you take for example, um, I just recently had this happen to me. I had my reefer unit was had this intermittent problem where the fuel gauge, the digital fuel gauge that ties into the uh, CPU, the the processing unit on the reefer wasn't reading um, the fuel 
output. And so I'd, I'd get a, you know, warning sign and alarm on the reefer that this was happening. And, and it had, it'd work fine for a little while, then it'd show back up, it'd work fine for a little while, it'd show back up. So I actually, through my network of friends that I know, had a guy reach out to me um, a month or so ago, say, hey, my um, son-in-law is, he's been a diesel mechanic for a really long time, he, he's worked on trucks and shops, and he's starting his own you know, roadside service. And, and it's not really necessarily just roadside service, but a mobile mechanic where he'll come out and and work on your truck. Well, his rates are a lot cheaper than um, your your typical shop. So I said, okay, great, I'll have him come out. And, and so I called him and he came out and looked at the reefer and an air leak that I had and fixed an air leak and was able to find the issue with the reefer, which was a corroded wire and fix that really quick for, um, it was just it was just under a couple hundred bucks. And anytime I go into like the dealer with Thermal King, I mean it's I'm, we're talking hundreds of hundreds. Most of the time, it's close to a thousand. So I, I know I save myself a lot of money by taking care of that problem early on. Because if it would have happened later on down the road and just you know full on broke, it, and I had to to the point where I had to go to to Thermal King or another um, reefer dealer. It, it would have cost probably double or triple that. Yeah. Well, it's uh, what, what's the name of this company? Do we want to give them a shout out? Yeah, sure. It was uh, it was it was Bobby with MCK Diesel Repair, just based in Salt Lake. If if anybody wants uh, wants his contact info, just shoot me a, a, a message on Facebook, and I'm I'm happy to share that contact info with you. He did Very a great nice. job. Very nice. Uh, okay. Anything else on this subject that we want to go through? Um, another place that you can talk to for relief a lot of times is, um, your insurance companies, um, kind of like a bank, you know, they understand the situation that, that, that we're all in right now and they may have some programs too, to kind of help you through this, uh, challenging time. Okay. So contact your uh, insurance company, your bank, uh, make sure you got someplace reliable to go for preemptive repairs, right? Um, Good. Well, what yeah. else uh, as far as managing expenses do you want to talk about? Well, there's one thing, and this this that I kind of want to use this platform to talk a little bit about. It's it's not one of those things that is going to help you save money today, but it'll help you in the future. It'll help you in the long run. Um, it's it's fresh on my mind because I just experienced a benefit from this, and it's your credit score. You know, especially as an owner operator small fleet guy, your credit score is actually hugely important because it can save you a ton of money on your expenses. And where I just had it help me out is with my insurance. I just went through my insurance renewal process. We'll do a, an episode in the near future about that. Um, but I was given a ton of different payment options where I didn't have to come down with nearly as much of a down payment as I thought I was going to have to. And it was all because I had a good credit score. So I got a little bit better on my rate and way better on the down payment I had to, to make because you know I've, I've got a little bit of a history with them now and I've got good credit. And so that's helped out. And that good credit helps out with your truck payments are lower when you've got good credit. Everything's lower. So just as, an, as a small business owner, Sometimes it can be hard, but you've really got to be diligent about your, your credit. Make your payments on time so you've got a good credit score because that's going to be huge and make a big difference on the overall expenses you, you pay for your company. Yeah. yeah I, I, sounds like good advice for just about anybody. 
not just small business owners, but it sounds like it's especially vital there. Um, okay, good. So we are controlling our expenses here. And uh, the other main issue that you wanted to talk about is finding freight. Uh, can we move on to that and, and talk about a little bit about finding freight in these fraught times? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's a couple things that I have some ideas on. And not just ideas, some things that I've seen some other guys do, um, some things that I've done. Um, so first and foremost, this is one of those areas where it's it's a little bit harder. It's a little bit less in your control. Um, but there's things that you can do to kind of minimize the impact and you know get out of this in, in as good a shape as you possibly can. So you, you take, for example, we talked a little bit about that, that uh, flatbeds right now are struggling a little bit more than most other sectors in the industry. So you may have to pivot if you're a flatbed hauler and you know, lease a trailer or rent a trailer, uh, like a reefer or dry van, or, or maybe you know somebody that's got one sitting around that they, they'd uh, loan you for a little while, you know, for, for a small fee. Um, another, another thing that you can do is just, you know, power unit only, you know, if you've got a, um, you, your truck can hook up to anything and there's power unit only loads out there, they're usually not the best, but it may be one of those things that can help you get by kind of in the short term. Okay. All right. What else can people do? Um, this is where you're going to have to, you know, probably work harder than you have in the past and to be able to uh, adapt to this. You know, if you look at the load boards right now, there's, they're not as robust as they have been in the past. Um, they're, they're a little bit skimpy. And so you may have to call on 20 different loads before you find one that is going to be decent that you can take. And so you, you just are going to have to work a little bit harder. And this is where if you're not using a dispatcher, a dispatcher may be a little bit more helpful. If you're on the road driving all the time, it can be hard to stay on top of those load boards because you have to be the first person that calls and you may have to call 20 loads and that kind of thing, just really hard to do if you're also driving. And so, you know, one, a dispatcher has a time to do that. And two, a lot of the times dispatchers have contacts where they can get loads before they even get posted to the load board because they've worked with brokers. They've got a good relationship with those brokers and uh, will have a little bit easier time finding loads. Yeah. Now, you talked about at the very beginning of Holland Assets, having to use a dispatcher and having to use those contacts to find loads. But your goal was eventually to cultivate direct relationships with shippers. Are those paying off for you now or are you finding yourself relying more on the, the dispatcher? I'm, I'm still using the dispatcher quite a bit. I, I am finally starting to get a few of um, direct shipper loads or at least loads that you know, I'm getting from a broker before it even gets posted to the load board because they know me, they trust me. And so, you know, just establishing those relationships, reaching out to those shippers. I mean, be diligent with that and call, you know, in this kind of a situation, anytime you've got downtime, if your truck's parked and you can't find a load, pick up the phone and start calling shippers. Just start calling. You may have to call 50 shippers before you find one that will let you do some work for them. But, you know, those are the guys that, that, overcome and survive in these kind of situations the people that are willing to do a little bit more than the next guy and work a little bit harder and and solve those problems that you're running into you know th that's how you survive that's how you adapt that's how you get through this kind of thing you know i worked in sales for about five years chris and that just 
it's bringing back some, uh, I, I don't want to say nightmares, but uh, <laughs> some old memories of, it's a numbers game, right? You, you got to make those calls. You have to make the contacts. And yeah, it's going to, you're not going to hit a home run on your first pitch, right? You got to get out there and step up to the plate time and time again uh, in order to, to score. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good way to to look at it because you know those calls with shippers, it's just like sales. It's just like making cold calls. You you, you know after a while for every 10 phone calls I make, I'm going to talk to one person. For every 5 people I talk to, one of them's going to give me the time of day and and you know give me an opportunity to do some work for them. So it's just it's a numbers game. You just know you're going to have to get you know, 50 rejections before you get business. So you just, you just have to pick it up and do it. Right. Right. Okay. So any last notes on finding freight? Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit or just give a, a, a really quick um, intro into what we're going to talk at the, after the podcast is all over, but you know, I've got my air quotes going on here, but <laughs> we've got revenue that typically comes from hauling freight, but this, Revenue can also come from the government assistant packages that they have right now. And so that's something that everybody should take advantage of. The government's done it for a reason. They want to keep the economy going strong. This is, again, it's a situation that blindsided everybody. It's not something you could have planned for or foreseen. And so the government is helping out in this kind of a situation more than they ever have in the past. And so take advantage of that. You can get some additional revenue through some of these programs. Listen at the end. We'll talk a little bit more about that in detail. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds like a, a good tease to keep people around, at least for now. And like you said, if it's three years down the road, then probably don't bother. <laughs> uh, but good. So let's uh, let's wrap this one up then, Chris. Um, we talked about managing your expenses and uh, making sure that you continue finding freight as uh, as efficiently and uh, and profitably as possible. Uh, what else did we talk about? We talked about the water bear, making sure that you stay adaptable, and that that comes largely from being prepared and willing to to do the things necessary to uh, to survive. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to kind of, those are all, that's a good recap, kind of a little bit on everything. And um, just to kind of summarize it, I I was doing a little bit of thinking, I was talking to my dad about um, this podcast episode, some of the things I was planning on covering. And, you know, he was in the the army as well. Um, He was active duty army for the younger years of me growing up. And we were talking a little bit about how that relates to our army career. You know, back when he was in the army and still today with me in the army, one of the things you constantly hear is you've got to manage your own career. You can't depend on, you know, somebody else in the military was the headquarters or, you know, in, in the trucking industry, you, you can't rely on other people to manage your career, manage your business for you. You've got to be the one that does this. And um, nobody cares about your business and the success of your business like you do. No employee is going to care. You know, as an owner operator, nobody cares about your business like you do. And so you've got to be the one that really takes the bull by the horns to survive this coronavirus, COVID-19 thing. And and if you do that and you just buckle down during this time, 
you'll be able to survive. If you, if you do the things that other people aren't willing to do, you can do it. And we've talked a lot about um, that ownership mentality as, as we've gone through this podcast series. And that's really what makes all the difference in the world. The ownership mentality, the person's willing to do a little bit more than the next guy, the person who can solve their own problems and just kind of work through it and figure it out and just knuckle down and do it. That's what's going to help you survive. There you go. And talk about wrapping it up in a bow. I think we've hit all of the Chris's greatest hits. You know, this is like a this is like a, a recap album uh, of uh, <laughs> managing your expenses, finding freight, having an ownership mentality, uh, and on down the line. This is great. It is, yeah. It's a it's a good episode. There's a lot of lessons that you can learn from this. You know, another one of the things that's kind of cool is. When you go through a hard economic situation like this, it's like a refiner's fire. You know, it's it's one of those things that you're going to learn a ton of lessons from that will make you better today and even better tomorrow when the economy turns around and does really well and will make you even more successful in the future. It's hard now. It's a difficult time now, but you buckle down, you get through it, and it's going to make you that much better later on in the future. Very nice. Well... I hope that people will go check out the full show notes at hollandassetsllc.com. Uh, hit us up on Facebook. Like I said, we do love to hear your thoughts on this and other subjects. So uh, so hit us up there. And uh, Chris, I think, like you said, uh, people who are going through this COVID-19 stuff right now should stick around. Uh, we're going to give them a few resources to check out after the, the uh, music rolls. So I'll see you on the other side of that. Sounds good. All right, Chris, let's talk about the CARES Act because every act has to have a great name, right? <laughs> every act has to have great things. Yeah, and this, the CARES Act is one of them. So the CARES Act stands for Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security. Man, whoever packaged that acronym together, I mean, that's 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 kind of, it's almost beautiful. It's almost a good acronym. <laughs> this is, uh, it, it's almost almost as uh, good as what, like the Patriot Act or something like that. Yeah, what, whatever whatever government employee came with up with that should get a little bit of a Christmas bonus this year. <laughs> All right, so what is the CARES Act? Coronavirus aid relief and economic security. This is the the checks they're sending out to everybody. Yeah, this is this is part of that two point two trillion dollar relief package that Congress has passed and the the president has signed. Um, there's a, a whole bunch of things that come along with it, but there's two that I I mainly want to focus on that are the most applicable to owner-operators and small business owners. Um, one I want to emphasize is even if you're a small owner-operator, you're a one-man show, you're big enough to qualify for one or both of these programs. And so don't be afraid to use them. Use them. And there's a lot of resources on the Small Business Administration website, sba.gov. Um, we're going to have links to a couple of the things that we talk about in the show notes, feel free to go to the show notes at uh, hollandassetsllc.com, episode 44. It'll be right there. You can just click on the links and it'll take you to where you need to go. Um, but the two that I want to talk about the most are the Patriot, excuse me, Paycheck Protection Program Loans. Say that five times fast. <laughs> Ooh. 
So first, that one um, is is the one that's really geared mostly towards um, companies that have payroll. And depending on how you pay yourself, you, even if you're an owner operator, you may be able to qualify for that one. It, I've heard kind of both ways with it, so I'm not 100% sure on it. You may want to you know, contact the SBA. Um, one of the links that I'm going to show you in the show notes is w- where you can find out the contact information for your regional office in your area, who you need to contact to find more out about this. Um, but that one's mainly geared towards being able to pay people while this downturn's going on. So for anybody, if you've got payroll, if you if, you, if you've got multiple drivers, um, you should be able to qualify this one. And you can get, I think it's up to, if I remember right, two and a half times your normal payroll, monthly payroll, I think. And, uh, so that, that, that can add up to quite a bit of money and, and that's designed to help keep your people paid while we're going through this. And a certain percentage of it, if not all of it can potentially be forgivable. So you'd never even have to pay it back. Wow. No, that would be something <laughs> certainly. Okay. So the paycheck. oh man, you, you cursed me paycheck protection program <laughs> loans. Uh, and then yep. what's the other program? The other one, it, it's really, they're kind of, I don't know if they're the same exact thing or they're a little bit different, but economic injury disaster loans and economic, or excuse me, emergency economic injury grants. So one's obviously a loan, one's a grant. Um, even if they are loans and you have to pay them back, they're at super low interest rates. Um, and some of them you wouldn't even have to pay back. But they're, they're a little bit looser on who qualifies and what you can use the money for. You know, they're, they're specially kind of designed for some of those fixed expenses, like still being able to make your truck and trailer payment or your insurance payment. You know, some, some of those fixed costs um, are, should be able to be helped with that. The uh, economic injury disaster loan, I actually applied for that with Holland Assets, and you can get up to, I think, $10,000. Um, and that, again, is designed to help make some of those, uh, those fixed costs. It only it was is pretty easy to do. It only took me about twenty minutes to apply for it online. You just need to make sure that you know your numbers because they're going to ask what your annual revenue is from um, the twelve months prior to January thirty first. And so, if you're using QuickBooks or some other accounting program like that, it's really easy to pull a report to get that information. They're also going to want to know what your cost of goods sold is. And that's a term we've talked a little bit about. It's not quite as applicable to the trucking industry as it is to other industries. But basically, what you'd use in, in our situation are those variable costs. So your, your variable costs are, are pretty similar to what cost of goods sold would be in other industries. All right. Very good. So that'll give people a few options. And like you said, links in the uh, in the show notes. So uh, go check those out if you need to find those resources. Anything else, Chris, that you want to touch on before we run? Yeah, just one other really quick um, other resource that can help you out with that too is just your local bank. You know, most local banks have some kind of SBA lending program, so they're usually pretty versed in in those loan programs and kind of can kind of help you out through some of those things too if you're not getting anywhere with the SBA. Very good. Well, uh, Chris, if that is if that's it, as far as the resources that we want to give people, I just want to give a quick shout out before we go 
to you and our listeners and anybody else who's out on the road. You know, we talk a lot about uh, healthcare workers and grocery store workers and all that stuff, but uh, the truckers out there are doing awesome work keeping the supply chains going. And I know it's difficult if you're an owner operator to uh, navigate all this stuff, but uh, it's, it is much appreciated uh, keeping things running the way that you all do. Very well said. All right. Cheers, Chris. I'll see you next week then. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Craig.